everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. morning church so if you want to go back and watch something sort of comical first service uh it got a little rough because my wife was nowhere to be found uh when worship started and uh so i had to come up and say uh does anyone know where my wife is and then uh, she proceeded to come in and then you know we had a good laugh and i thought if i could have it to do over again and she would have walked in i would have been like did you wash your hands after you were done because if not you need to go back out there but anyway so uh we had a good laugh about it uh, I want to make you uh, aware of a couple of announcements that you may have already heard, but I just want to make sure they're out there for you. Uh, first thing is, uh, we're, we're having baptism September 10th. So if uh, you've made a commitment to the Lord, you've never been baptized, but you want to share your testimony publicly, like, this is a great way to deal. We do a video thing, and then you can invite friends, or you get to play it online later. It's, it's fantastic for you to be able to share your testimony with others. And you don't always understand what a big difference that can make in somebody else's life as well. So if you're wanting to be baptized, make sure you go out to the uh, lobby there uh, by the Information Center and sign up. Secondly is this. Uh, several of you took our membership class, and uh, some of you need to turn in those things if you're wanting to become members. Just make sure you do that so we can get that uh, to our board and, and make sure that all gets uh, it gets done the right way. And then thirdly is the thing that we've been promoting. We're getting ready to do another Bible study for four weeks instead of eight weeks. We're going to do it over Philippians. And man, this is a great time for you to get to know people, be in smaller groups. I really believe that what happens in smaller groups is really important, even more important than I think what we do up here. Because I think it's a time to take the message that you hear, because we're going to be doing those messages four weeks up here. But it's a good time to get around tables and smaller groups and begin to discuss the word and how it affects and impacts you. You know, the scripture says iron sharpens iron. You know, so if we can get people together talking about the scriptures and we'll have some videos that night. Also, having the meal beforehand, which is always great. You know, if you like food like me, like that's just fantastic. Uh, so you get to eat with uh, one another. Then uh, we'll put you in smaller groups around some tables. Have a good time there. Uh, if you have kids or if you have teens and you don't know what to do with them, the good news is we have something going on for them that night as well. So really take away the excuses. So if you want to be part of that, make sure you sign up for the Philippians study. Uh, and it's, um, uh, the, uh, we already had 80 people sign up, by the way. Okay, and so we're going to have more and we're hoping to get over that 200 mark like we did last year. So it's going to be fantastic. So please do that. Um, otherwise, we're in our final week of Jonah. So it's Jonah chapter 4. When we first started this, I have to tell you, I was only planning on doing it for one week. And then once we got into it, I was just like, man, there's just so much stuff here. And I uh, don't know how much you've gotten out of it for me personally. It's just been um, really eye-opening and enlightening. But I have to tell you that the first three weeks for me when I was preparing this message, it came very quickly. Then when I got into the fourth one, I was really having trouble um, writing down sort of the notes or how I wanted to say stuff or what I thought the scriptures were saying. Uh, Pastor Dylan came in to me not knowing this, and he said, hey, he said, uh, Chuck, um, he said, uh, Steve Deneff, he said, just did a message on Jonah, and he said, you know, it's fantastic. It's, it's you know, worth listening to. So I went and listened to that message, and if you don't know who Steve Deneff is, I would say in our denomination, he's probably the greatest, uh, what I would say, communicator of God's word, and he just, he, he just has a new way and fresh way of looking at things. Um, so anyway, so I listened to that message, and I was like, 
yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's what we need to do. So I want to tell you that today, like, even though the insights are, you know, still work, rework some things, I really believe a lot of this stuff is what he found through the scriptures and, and what I understood through what he was saying. And so anyway, so if I don't do it justice and you're like, man, that was pretty bad, just go back and listen to him, okay? And you'll hear it the right way, okay? Um, but anyways, uh, appreciate you being here and hanging on with us for the last several weeks. And those of you online too, thank you for just being here, worshiping with us and taking these words to heart as well. So we're going to be in uh, Jonah chapter 4. And I want you to listen to this motto and see if you know where it comes from. Uh, it says, Neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night stays these carriers from the swift completion of their appointed routes. Yeah, mailman, right? Yeah, that's what I, yeah. Yep, United States Postal Service. And that is not their official motto. It's just something that they really put into practice. And I was, I, was, I was looking at that motto and thinking about it. I thought, really, this is what we've been experiencing to some degree with Jonah. Because you have to understand that Jonah is a prophet or basically a messenger of God. So God speaks to him, hears from the Lord, and then he communicates what he hears to the people. Now, he's not allowed to make a determination like, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? He is to take whatever he's given, and he's supposed to proclaim it to the people. It's just like those people who carry our mail. You know, they, they can probably tell from some of the mail that, yeah, this is probably good news. It looks like a card. It's probably a happy thought, you know. And then they can look at these other ones and be like, ooh, that's a bill. Mm-mm-mm, you know, I'm sure they would like me to lose this one, but, you know, we're going to go ahead and send it through either way. They cannot make the determination of what is good news and what is bad news, right? And they have to carry it on all occasions. And you have to understand that when you hear from the Lord, you and I also are not allowed to determine whether the news is good or bad. But I want to I throw this at you. I believe when God gives us a word, the intent is to bring good about. So even though the word may be a negative word, at the end of it, he is hoping for a repentance so that that news becomes good news. So when we talk about the gospel, the gospel is the good news of Christ. But there are some things that we get very convicted about because we're like, wow, we're not living the way we should. And so that word can seem um, um, uh, just, just hard to hear, hard to take in. But then at the end of it, we realize through repentance and grace that we are forgiven, and that news becomes very good. And as I was thinking about this and thinking about Jonah, because for the most part, we've looked at Jonah just being this sort of a jerk of a guy who doesn't really proclaim the news the right way. Matter of fact, when he brings the word, we told you last week, it was five words, and it was the worst message ever, right? He's just like, 40 days, and you're dead. You know, I mean, that was the whole intent of the message. But when I was reading through that and thinking about how that a prophet is supposed to just carry the good news or carry the word of God, whatever that is, I, I couldn't help but think back to like Isaiah and then Romans. But Isaiah 52, 7 says this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And then Paul repeats that even phrase in Romans 10, 15, when he says, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I mean, what Jonah was bringing was not good news at all. Jonah heard from the Lord, but he didn't take that message very far. He just left it as sort of bad news. He didn't leave it as sort of any repentance that we talked about last week. He just left it again as 40 days, you're dead. That's it. I mean, that is a terrible message. Terrible message. You know, and I don't know about you, but aren't there times that you've seen people come and they have like just this good or exciting news? Like you just can't wait to hear the news of that. You know, you get a kid that gets their license for the first time. They come up, they can't wait to tell you that they can drive. 
You know, you got somebody that is, is, uh, has just gotten engaged. Hello. You know, they, they can't wait to show you the ring and stuff. You know what I mean? You're like, wow, that's pretty small. No, not really. You know, like, uh, but, you know, you look at that with the excitement, and that's, that's good news. You get somebody that is, getting, that is expecting a child. And, like, there's that glow about them, and you just can't wait to hear that news, and you can't wait to celebrate with them. But then there are those times, too, that we get sort of those, those tough news. You know, whether it be, uh, you know, um, you get the pink slip. Someone brings you in their office, and, and it's done. Um, someone comes and tells you that uh, um, you get a late call at night, and you found out that you lost somebody or that there's a situation. Just recently, um, I was... Um, uh, we went, uh, went to bed, I think, at 10 that night. And when I got up in the morning, I had all these missed calls, and it was from the sheriff's department. And I knew that if I'm getting a call that late at night, it's, it's not a congratulatory anything. You know, I knew it was going to be a tough situation and probably affected somebody in our church, and that's, in fact, what it was. You know, so those are sort of tough calls to get. There is no sort of redeeming factor in that. But here is Jonah. And Jonah is not bringing good news. He's bringing bad news. But I love what God does because God says, well, in spite of what you're sharing, I'm going to make people react differently. Why? Because he shows up. But this whole thing, what occurred to me is this, is that you and I, whether we realize it or not, have been called by God to bring the good news to people. Like you and I have a responsibility to bring good news. And some of that news at first may be hard to hear, but at the end of it, it becomes good news as people's lives get changed. Now, I want you to watch. Because in this passage right here, he brings a terrible word, but it's translated into good news, and the people repent. And they repent in such a way that they remember that they put on the sackcloth and stuff, and, and, and they get it right, and then God says what? I'm not going to destroy them anymore. Now, watch Jonah's response, okay? So in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, but, Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to, um, this is what I tried to forestall uh, by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It will be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Let's pray together.
God, we get to the end of this passage, and it just seems to kind of like be a question we don't know what to do with and kind of baffled a little bit. How do you sort of take that last phrase? But in the midst of all this, what we understand is that you wanted Jonah to take a word to the people because you wanted to change their lives. And Father, I think so many of us forget that you make the decisions and that we just become the instruments that you use. And Father, it's not, we don't have the right to decide who hears and who doesn't. We just have the right to be obedient to what you say. And so Father, I pray that each of us would leave today understanding that there is a good news that the world needs to hear and we're the instruments that you wanna use. And so help us to figure out how to step into that and do it in the right ways. Father, if there's anything that I would get wrong in your scriptures today, pray that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that yours is the only voice that they hear. In your name we pray, amen. So I'm going to try to fly through this because I realized I took too much time second service, and then I found out that part of the message even got cut off online and stuff because we have some timers on there. So we're going to get through this uh, real quick here. I'm going to give you a, a brief synopsis of where um, the Scriptures have taken us so far. So if you remember, um, uh, again, this is a very short passage, four chapters. But right in the beginning, we have Jonah, who's a prophet of God. He gets messages from God. He hears from God. It says, a word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah was then supposed to take the word where God told him to. He said, take it to the Ninevites. Jonah decided, man, I don't like the Ninevites. They're bad people. And I have to tell you, for the last several weeks, I've been talking about what a jerk Jonah is. But I want to rephrase a couple things. Because I want you to understand that I think to some degree, Jonah probably had a right to be upset. Jonah had a right to be angry. You see, Jonah really wanted justice for these people because he understood that he himself, like, I've read the Word of God, I've studied the Word of God, I, I, I know theologically who God is, I've talked to him, I understand his doctrine. Like, he has all the great things that make him who he is. Like, he wants to proclaim the Word of the Lord. But then when it came to the Ninevites, it's like, they hear these people, they have false gods, they don't believe in the God that we believe in. As a matter of fact, they're a ruthless group of people. Matter of fact, still today in that area are signs of how ruthless those people were. But they would beat people, they would flog them, they would, they would rape the women. Like, they were just as evil as could be. And so when Jonah looked at it, he says, those people deserve what they get. Like, they need some justice. And you and I can understand that because when someone either steals from us or they kill someone who we love or they mistreat somebody, we feel like that there is some justice that should happen. Matter of fact, we feel like certain people should go to prison because that's what they deserve. And so Jonah is really no different than us. You're going to find out probably later that Jonah is really like, when we were talking about the prodigal son, Jonah is really the older son in the story. He's done everything right, and he believes that justice should sort of be served. So Jonah decides, I'm not taking that word to them because they don't deserve it. And he tells us why. He says, because I know that you're a compassionate God, which, by the way, cracks me up because it's almost like he's insulting God, you know. Oh, God, you're so great and loving. You know, like, would you do that to somebody? Like, that person, they're so compassionate, and they're so loving. It just makes me want to die. You know, like, you would just think that's ri ridiculous. When we find somebody who responds in those ways where, like, they've been mistreated, and then they respond in grace, we're always, like, sort of blown away. So Jonah says, I'm not going to go to these people. And instead, he decides he's going to get on a boat. He's going to go to Tarshish. He's going to be as far away from these people as he possibly can be known. But in the midst of all that, what we read is that he goes and he sleeps in sort of the bottom of the boat. As he's sleeping, there's this great storm that comes up. We know it's a big storm. We know it happens all of a sudden because those are fishermen on the boat. They've traveled on the boat. They know what it's like. And this storm just comes up out of nowhere. The captain is so discouraged and the men are so discouraged that they start praying to all their sort of false gods. 
And then in the midst of praying, they notice that Jonah's nowhere to be found. He is sleeping, and so they go wake up him, and they're like, dude, you got to pray to your God too, all right? Because, and they said that this boat is being torn apart. And so they keep praying. The, the, the storm keeps getting worse and worse. Then they decide to cast lots or basically throw dice and say who they fall on. Well, they fall on Jonah, and Jonah's like, yep, I'm the problem. And he says, what you need to do is you need to throw me over. And by the way, you notice in the story that Jonah, he, he wants to die over and over again. I mean, he says this like three, two or three times just within our passage today. You know, but he's like, yeah, just sacrifice me. It's all my fault. And these guys are like, no way are we doing that. Because if your God is the one who caused the storm, like he's going to be after us if we throw you in. Well, it keeps coming, it keeps coming. And then they have no other <laughs> place they can go. And they're like, well, we'll throw him in. So they throw him in and they're pleading. Now listen to this. They change who they're talking about to their gods, to Yahweh. And they say, we're asking your God to deal graciously with us. And as Jonah is thrown in, the storm stopped. Then we read that Jonah gets into the belly of a great fish. And remember, Jonah hasn't spent any time praying, hasn't even worried about it. He just wanted to die. Now he's in the belly of a fish. He's being swallowed up, and now we hear him calling out to God. And it's not even a great prayer. He's just kind of like, I understand that this is because of my sin, that I'm in here, I didn't follow your word. And if you, basically, if you get me out of this, I'll do whatever you ask. I'll go where you want me to go. And so he goes. It says that the, the great fish vomits him out, spits him out. And then he hears from the Lord a second time. And then this time, instead of running away, he moves towards him. And so he goes to Nineveh, and then again we read that he preaches this terrible word. And again, there, there's nothing in it. The word is like, again, 40 days, you're gone. You know, it, the message doesn't even set up well. Could you imagine? I just, I just come up here and says, sorry, guys, you're bad. You're going to die in 40 days. See ya. You know, you'd be like, what, what was that? Like, you know, like, like there should be something more there. There should be something convicting that causes us to repent and to say, Lord, like, we're going to repent. Well, it doesn't matter what Jonah preaches, what we find out. It just matters what God does. So God speaks in spite of Jonah. And those people react to that. And they say, we got to get things right. And they start repenting. And you remember last week we talked about that they put on the sackcloth. And, and, and we said how sackcloth is uncomfortable. It's humiliating. And then they sat in the ashes. You know, and we said, man, that represents really Christ on the cross. Christ became very uncomfortable for us as he was beaten, as he had nails put in his hands. He was humiliated as he had his robes ripped from him. And as he laid on the cross and they put a sign above him that said king of the Jews. And then in that humiliation, we read that he dies. But then he's resurrected. And so these people go through this uncomfortability, humiliation, and sitting in ashes and dying. And then that country is resurrected and they are forgiven because of their response. And then we get back in here, and this is where I think we need to have some course corrections. And I hope that we'll all sort of identify with one of these by the end of the day. But it says in verse 1, But, jo but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He was angry. He didn't like that the people were repenting and that God decided not to destroy them. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still home? That is what I tried to forestall by, by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. You see, what was interesting to me is the call of the Lord, and I want you to understand this, the call of the Lord moves you to do hard things. It just moves you to do hard things. There are some things, I think, from time to time that you and I don't want to do. There's a message that we believe that God wants us to take, and I think for some of us, it's a very difficult thing to do. 
But when you hear from the word of the Lord, here's what you need to understand. You got to do something with it. You either got to run away from it or you got to run to it. You can't just sit there. Like if you feel like you can sit there, I want you to know that the voice of God will get stronger. And for some of you, you'll run away and that voice will still get stronger. And it will, be, it, it, it will seem like the easy thing is to run away, but it will get harder and harder and harder and harder from you because God will keep knocking at your door because he wants to get a hold of you. For some of you, though, you'll understand that some of the things that God asks you to do, and usually and typically in Scripture, God's asking you to do something that you wouldn't normally do. He's asking you to reach out a way that you wouldn't normally reach out. And when God calls you to do that, it may seem very hard, but I promise you, if you step into that, it will get easier. You see, there's a call that God has placed on your life, and you have to decide how you're going to respond. I, I, I firmly believe, I believe that God has called some of you to full-time ministry. I believe that he's called some of you to be pastors. I believe he's called some of you to be missionaries. And I believe that he's called you to full-time service. And for whatever reason, you've rejected it and you've run away. And you know that God keeps knocking at your door and you need to respond one way or another. And some of you will say, well, I'm too old to respond now. No, you're not. If God called you, he's still got to work for you to do. And some of you, instead of running away from that, really need to step into that. But I also believe this. I don't believe that God is calling everybody to be like a pastor or a preacher or a minister. But I believe that God's calling all of us to ministry. And I, be give, I believe that he's giving all of us a word. But I do believe this. I believe that God is asking you and I from time to time for us to stand up in hard places and tell the people what I told you to tell them. And some of those things are difficult. I mean, in our world today where it's going very kind of crazy, when it feels like everything is being torn apart around us, God is asking us to get up and to say something. While the world is falling asleep, listen, the church has been falling asleep for too long. And it's time that we got to get up and we got to say something. But you better say it in such a way that it comes across as somebody who is concerned and is in love with people that they want to see change. Because God is calling us to sort of do the hard things. And what I want you to know is this, is that the call of God is often to a purpose and not a position. All right, it's to a purpose, not a position. God is not calling everyone, and he barely ever calls anyone to be a king. And why? Because we can get very arrogant and prideful if I was a king. And then it becomes, and, and then it becomes about people serving me instead of serving him. But God calls you to a purpose. And by the way, if he calls you to be a king, it's still for a purpose. It's not to the position. Like he wants you to step in there and do something with it. And what you have to understand is that God has had a call on different ones of you. For some of you, God has called you just to love your wife and your kids. To love your spouse. That's what he's called you to do. For some of you, God has called you to discipline your kids when they do wrong. And even though that may be very hard, what you have to understand is this. We have to walk in some of those hard things because we love them. And we know at the end of the day that discipline will keep them from doing some stupid things later on. And even though that may be difficult, again, we're providing here for the future. For some of you, God is probably just calling you um, for the purpose to work, to be where you're at, and, and, at work, and to be different than everybody else. When everybody else is being lazy, when everybody else is talking about the boss, when everyone else is gossiping and slandering, like he's calling you to live differently. Like take that message of love to people. And then I do believe that God is calling us to share a word with either our coworkers 
with our classmates, with our family, because you and I have such a good news. And you and I need to share that with the people around us. And for some of you, that may be difficult. I don't know what that's going to feel like. I know, hey, listen, that's what God's called you to do. And sometimes those things are very difficult. But you have to understand that God has a purpose in calling you to where he's called you. We get into verse 3 and 4. And Jonah now says, now, Lord, take away my life. Here it is. For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And I love this because he goes back to this again. And Jonah doesn't respond sort of in this situation. He just says, Lord, I want to die. And it's interesting to me because he already had this experience. When they were on the boat again, and the waters were, were crashing in, and again, it was, it was funny the response of the people. What was interesting to me is how all the people on that boat, they started calling out to their gods, and Jonah is asleep. And here's the, here, here's the deal, people. We have a world that is falling apart. The storm is coming hard, and they're calling out to a god. And why? Because they just don't want to die. They don't want to die. And for too long, just like Jonah, the church has been asleep. And you and I have the message of salvation that you and I can share with those around us. But this is what I found. That if you go when God calls you, you will have to die and be resurrected. You see, if you decide to go to Nineveh, you will have to face a sort of death and a resurrection. There are some things that Jonah had to die to. There are some things doctrinally that he believed. There are some things theologically that he believed. There are some things that he wanted to tell people, but there are some things that he needed to die for before he could really do the work of God. And it's interesting to me because I think so many times you and I think the way we were saved is the way everybody else should be saved. But the truth is, there is something with inside of us that needs to die so that God can resurrect us to do what he wants to do. There are some things in the church that need to die so that God can show up and do what he wants to do. You see, God knows what works in Nineveh. God knows what works in Marion. And God needs you to die those things so he can do the things that he wants. I, I told him first service, like, when I was growing up, a big thing for me and, and very formative for me were camp meetings. And I love camp meetings. I, I, we spent probably a month at camp. They, they were huge. For, I still believe that they're huge in, in kids' lives. But we no longer have family camp, right? Why? We kind of have all these excuses, but here's the deal. It doesn't work anymore. And you can say, well, you haven't been to my camp, meaning, listen, there are fewer and fewer family camps than there used to be because it doesn't work anymore. And there are some things that you and I need to die to and understand that God wants to do something different. And I even said in the first service, and, and I agree with this, but this church today looks very different from when my grandparents grew up in this church. You know, yesterday we had over 400 kids in a sports program. They would have never dreamed of having a sports program when I was younger. You kept that separation. But here's the thing. Sports programs work today. And so there are some things that we've had to die to so that some things can be resurrected. You have to understand that 400 kids every week for like eight weeks have a devotional together, and they hear the Word of God. In the wintertime, we play a devotional for other people in the room at halftime. Now, here's the deal. On Sunday morning, 
we will have had between 700 to 900 people hear the word of God through what we do. You know what happens on Saturday? Over 1,000 people hear the word of God. And most of them don't go to church. There are some things that we've had to die to so that some things can be resurrected. And I tell you, church, we just can't sleep through this anymore. We have to sacrifice some things in order that some bigger things might happen. I want you to know this, too, is that I think from time to time, I think that some of us have been through some painful stuff in life. I think we've been through some circumstances, whether we lost a loved one, whether we've lost a job, or, or just things haven't been going for us. And I think that we excuse those times as we've kind of said, well, God's mad at us, and this is why this is happening. I want to ask you something in this passage, by the way. When the storm came, who did the storm come from? For? Did it come for the bad guys? Or did it come for the good guy? And when the great fish came and swallowed somebody up, he didn't swallow up the heathens, did he? He swallowed up the good guy. And what you have to understand is this, is that sometimes God needs things to happen to prepare us or to get our attention so that he can carry out the work that he wanted to do. And it's not because he's angry at you. He just needs to get a hold of you. And your story and your circumstances are going to speak volumes into somebody else's life. You see, what I've realized in life is that God uses both the big and small things to prepare us for what's to come. I have to tell you, and, and uh, I don't mean to, uh, I'm probably going to go over again, so bear, bear with me. Um, I heard um, from three different individuals this week who came into my office and were sharing different stories. And all the stories had sort of the same sort of tone to them. And um, it was basically this. People had been sexually abused, and they had seen either beatings of themselves or their family members. And what they said is this. They said the only time of real respite for them was when a church bus would come into their community and they would get on the bus and for two hours they would feel safe and they would feel loved. When I heard that over and over again, I just wept. Because I don't sit in that world and I thought, wow. All they needed to know is that they're saved and that they are loved. And church, you and I have an obligation. There are some things that we have to die to so that people can have a safe place and a place that they feel loved. Verse five and, um, through seven go on to say, Jonah got out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a sh shelter, sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Can you imagine this? This guy gets in the shadow because he doesn't want to be in the city. You know why he doesn't want to be in the city? Because he's hoping God will still destroy the place. So he's out there waiting and being like, oh, yeah. Can't wait to see them fry. Can you imagine that? But boy, I think sometimes you and I have been in Jonah like that. I think sometimes we, we, we really thought, boy, I hope they get what they deserve. When all the time God just wanted to show grace. It says, then the Lord God provided a leafy plant, made it grow up over Jonah to give it shade for his, for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant, but he sat. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. You see, God wanted to show Jonah a little bit of a story. And that's basically this, that God supplies what you need when he calls you to go. 
You see, the people relented. Why? Not because of Jonah's message, but because God showed up. You know, I always know this. When people respond to a message, it's not because of what I preach. It's because God showed up. And you have to understand that some of you at times are going to feel like you are not enough. Like you don't have the abilities. And what you need to understand that when God calls you to go, he's going to show up. He's going to provide what you need. And then he'll allow people to respond. The truth is, I am not enough, but God is. I know I don't have those abilities, but I have a God who can carry it out. He is so much bigger than I can ever ask or imagine. There is no way that I can do this on my own, but he is big enough. So we get on the last passage there. And it says in 8 through 11, when the sun rose, God provided scorching east wind. The sun blazed on Jonah's head, so they grew faint. And again, he says, he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah's got a real problem here, you know what I mean? Like, he's just always wanting to die. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And again, asking the same question again. And this time, Jonah's like, yeah, I have every right to be angry about this plant. And he says, I'm so angry. And again, he says, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left hand, and so many animals. And I feel like, by the way, because this is a weird place to end, but I feel like this is just a, a drop the mic moment for God. He's like, there you go. All right? And he's like, and I love this because what he's saying is this. is like, you care so much about this plant, you selfish little thing. When you've got all these people in Nineveh who are dying, who that I created, who that I tended to, and he says, and all you care about is that they repented and that I forgave them. Like, you hate that. That's messed up thinking. And I have to tell you, church, we're in a world right now that cares more about plants and animals. And I'm not saying those things aren't okay to care about, but we care more about those than we care about people. And there are people that need to hear about the love of God. There are people that need to be tended to, that need to be taken care of. You see, <laughs> And I think this is interesting, but I think that your beliefs may blind you to what God really values. You see, we look at other people and we see all the wrong that they've done, especially if they've done it to me. And we think that they deserve justice for what they've done. They deserve some time for what they've done. They deserve some hardships. Like, that's what they deserve. But the truth is, God values them just as much as he values you. And that grace that God shows us is absolutely tremendous. See, I love how one author put it. He simply said this, and I, and I believe that this was God, is what God was trying to tell to Jonah. Why can't I change what I feel for these people? Why can't I change what I feel for these people? Like, you don't think I know that they deserve punishment? You don't think that I know what they're doing is wrong? But what I'm hoping is that they will relent and that they will repent and that they will be forgiven. Like, why can't I change what I feel for these people? And I think sometimes you and I have got to come to the same conclusion. Why can't I change what I feel for people? 
Like, are there people that you've had some bitterness towards? Are there some people that when you see them come in the church, you're like, what are they doing here? Like, they don't deserve repentance. Like, why can't we change what we feel for people? Man, this place had better be a hospital where anyone that is sick, no matter what their disease, they can come in and they can be forgiven. You see, at the end of the day, I would rather choose grace over justice. And by the way, it's not even my decision to make. It's God's decision to make. God will choose who he wants to forgive. He chose to forgive you. He has the right to choose to forgive somebody else as well. Why can't I change what I feel for those people? Jonah wanted justice. God wanted to show grace. And at the end of the day, that's what he did. My, uh, I'm going to ask my wife to come up for a moment with the praise team. Uh, my wife doesn't mind me sharing this, but she, um, um, she has been working on a song for a couple years. And it's been in regards to the whole story of Jonah. But she was having trouble um, finishing it. And one of the reasons she would tell you that she was having trouble finishing it is for this reason. There are some things that happened to us in ministry that um, that were just not, they didn't make us feel good. It was just kind of, I don't know, we felt mean-spirited and stuff. And there was a sort of a time where we felt certain people probably deserved a certain sort of justice or whatever. And um, I got over that pretty quickly, but my wife, she was having problems just forgiving and forgetting. And so there was a bitterness that had developed there. And my wife, uh, (laughs) I got home from golfing last week. And she was crying when I got home. And I said, you okay? Because I'm thinking, what did I step into, you know? And she said, man, the message really hit me today. And she said, you know, I've held this bitterness. And she named certain people for so long. And she said, today I just wrote them. And I asked them to forgive me and told them I was sorry for the way that I felt. And after she did that, the rest of the words flowed for her. So I want you to listen to this song today because this is her take, basically, her being Jonah, basically, in the story. And maybe for some of us, you'll sort of, you'll get it as well. We're going to do end things a little differently today. Uh, a lot of times we'd have a, we'll call it an altar call and we'd ask you to come forward. But I'm going to simply list four things today. And as I end each of these things, if that's where you're at today and you want prayer of that area, I'm just going to ask that you stand. For some of you, that may be difficult to do, but I just want to remember you in prayer as well. And I'll tell you where I fall out on this as well. But the first thing we talked about is that God has a calling for you. And there's some times that God, when he calls, he's asking you to do something hard, something you wouldn't typically do. Maybe for some of you, it's to full-time ministry. Maybe for some of you, it's just to step in and share a word or just to love your family the way you need to. But you know that God's called you to make a change. And if that's you right now and you resonate that, would you just stand with me this morning? We can remember your prayer. The second one is this. Maybe there are times through circumstances or situations that have happened that you felt like maybe God's mad at you. And that you feel like, you know, that you didn't realize that maybe he's just preparing you and he's not mad at you at all. But you see that there's probably an error in your life that you need to die to and you need to be resurrected in. Maybe it's something that you feel that the church should be doing or you should be doing and all of a sudden you realize it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God thinks. 
and there's something you need to die to today and be resurrected. If that's you, would you just please stand? Third one is this, is you know that God's called and uh, you're looking at life and you're saying, boy, I don't, I don't think I'm enough. And maybe you don't feel enough. And today you just need to realize that you, you just need God to supply and just believe that he's going to do that. And for some of you, it's not just that you need God to show up, but you need him to show off as well. If that's you and you resonate with that, would you just stand with me this morning? And then for the last one, and this is where I sort of fall out at times, and I'm so thankful that God is so gracious. But maybe for some of you, if you looked at other people who have harmed you and you looked at the bitterness you had in your life and you think, man, I don't want to forgive those people. You would rather them seek justice. And right now, you, you, your, <laughs> your beliefs have blinded you from what God really values. And instead of showing justice, you just need to show grace. And that's where you resonate. Will you just stand up with me this morning as well? I'm going to ask that everyone stand up with us as well, and let's pray together. Father, you've done an amazing thing in your church today. You've sat there and you've dealt with some of us that have many, many issues and many, many things that we need to give over to you. First service, we saw the same thing even with greater impact as you just convinced people they need to stand for different things. And so today, Father, there are some of us that are just struggling because we know that you've called us to do something and instead of running towards you, we've ran away from it. And we know there are some hard things that you're asking us to do. And for some, Father, if it's about going into full-time ministry, let them seek that and do that and get it done well. And if for some, it's just a calling to go to their homes or their workplaces or whatever it is, Help them to do this with the strength and the courage that only you can provide. And Father, I pray that you would just help them to have that strength today and move in the right direction. And for those of us that at times feel like that through the situations and circumstances in life that it just felt like God's been mad at us. And yet today maybe we realize that God's just been trying to get our attention and that there are things that he has been preparing us for so that we can step into some other things. And Father, we recognize right now that there are some things that we individually need to die to so that we can be resurrected to what you want us to be. And Father, I know and I seek the same thing for the church, that there are some things that we've grown accustomed to that we think that this is the way it works and we're understanding that it doesn't work in Nineveh and it doesn't work in Marion anymore. And so Father, you already know what works. So help us to be obedient to you and let's die to the things we need to die to in the church so that you can do the work that you want to do. And that instead of this being our church, it's your church because you are the head of this place. And so help us to do that well. Pray, Father, for those today who they just don't feel like they accomplished much of anything. They're looking at their talents and what gifts they may have and it says it doesn't measure up. God, if you've called us to do hard things, you're going to show up and then, like I said, I think you show often at times too as well because of your might and your majesty. And so help us understand that it's true. We're not big enough, but boy, do we have a God that is. And so help us to step into your greatness now 
and recognize the ways that you're showing up before us, the way you're sitting beside us, and that you'll be there when we leave. And then, Father, for me and like many others in this place today, justice is one of the things that we struggle with. We think that there are some things that people just deserve because they've harmed us or they've done wrong to us. And the truth is, Father, none of us are free from that because we've all, we've all sinned. And we've all fallen short. But help our beliefs not to blind us from what you really value. And you really value repentance, repentance and restoration. So may we as a church, may we as individuals step into that and say, wherever you call us, we'll go. Whatever the word you want us to take, we'll take. And we'll be okay. We'll be okay. No, no, no. We'll be ecstatic about how you change people's lives. Because God, you're changing hearts for people. Because that's who you love. And that's who you've attended. And that's who you've, made, you've taken care of. So, Father, just help us remember that as we've been forgiven, you want to forgive others as well. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Help us as we leave this place to be a changed and loved people. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, take that grace that has been extended to you and go share it with the world as well. We'll see you again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.